Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 77 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Andrew McGahan joined as always but maybe not for much longer. Either of us will be on this earth if this heat keeps up. Sean Sheehan. How bad is it down there? Chronic. Literally chronic. Heat. And not even Dr. Dre type of chronic. And this is just horrible. It's the worst. It's like that film. You know, the one with um, Al Pacino and the one from Judging Amy. Do you know that film? No. Heat. Oh, like right. that. <laughs> is it called Here. Heat? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Here, right. Andrew, before we start all this shit. Yes. We have, we have we have an announcement to make. Let's get to it straight away. People will be hearing it. Do you know you know you know about this announcement, don't you? What announcement? It, it came out this morning. We were it was it was released. This is the first ever announcement on the Severe MMA podcast. Bama. Oh yes. September tenth. Da, da, da. Kicking off the card. Barry Hanna versus Yogurty Dave Fogarty. Oh my goodness. Official. Is that confirmed? That's confirmed by Bama themselves. They, Cut they, off the press. The on the podcast today. Yogri Dev Fogarty has the fight. Malahide MMA, I believe, Barry Hanna is from. Best to look to him. Dave, finding out of prime, prime, formerly primal MMA, now SPG Charlestown. It's going down. Andy's Coast Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Andy's he, Coast he, He's very, uh, very adamant to always include that. Everything yep. he does. There you go. I'm looking forward to it now. So if you don't know, Severe MMA's own photographer. I believe. I think he's gonna have this fight. He also works for Bama as a photographer. Then go in and take the photos for Bama after he's on fight. I believe so. And I've a- already. I'm putting my name out there, Sean. As you know, to take the pictures for Dave's fight. That's unreal. Myself and Pete were on about maybe doing commentary. You know, get Graham to record it or whoever else Bama record themselves, do a bit of commentary, throw it up on YouTube. Myself and Pizzi commenting over Dave's fight. This could be brilliant, like this could be the severe MMA produced in conjunction with Bama fight. Imagine Bama production, <laughs> severe in conjunction with Bama promotions. This is amazing, written all over. Do you know what I heard as well? I heard a little rumor. Go on about Dave Fogarty. Right now, you know I'm not one to tarnish people's names based on a rumor, Sean. Yes, well. But, well, I am, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Off the air, you everyone gets tarnished. There's not a, No one is safe. But I believe there's another partnership that may be in the works that's been uh, orchestrated by Dave himself. What's that now? Dave Fogarty's got himself potentially a little supplement company behind him. Oh. You'll never guess who. What would that be? Who would that be? ROSnutrition.com. Oh, so he got himself the best supplement company. Uh, he did. He got the only good supplement company left in this country. ROSnutrition.com, proud sponsors and friends of the Severe MMA podcast. Now, conveniently enough, also friends and sponsors of our very own Yogurty Dave Fogarty. Head on over to ORSNutrition.com to get absolutely kitted out anywhere you need in terms of your physical well-being. If you're going to the gym, if you're an athlete, if you're getting there for size, if you're going there to lean out a little bit, ORSNutrition.com have everything sectioned on their website so they can tell you. Or if you know what you're looking for, you can find it easy. If you're just going on thinking what will work best for me, they can recommend the best products they feel if you tell them your goals and aspirations through a lovely drop-down menu. Failing that, Sean, maybe you're a GEA player listening to this. Maybe you're someone who uh, listens to the podcast on the way to training, on the way home from training, and you're thinking, God, I am absolutely bollocked after that session. You know, it's a common enough feeling, and you're thinking, I'm really down, I need something to pick me up. 
AuraOSNutrition.com has you sorted as well. It has all your recovery needs for different sports, all your pre-workout needs. It has uh, different tablet, like different vitamin tablets. I know I am a fond user of the vitamin D tablets. We're going to get Sean Sheehan's krill oil update in just a couple of moments as well. I'm hearing good things. Um, different. My other uh, personal favorite product, the BCAs as well. Take them during training. Really does keep you going. They've got everything: proteins, whey, and plant-based. As I said, nice recipes, nice snacks as well to order. The um, the type of the type of treats, Sean, that you'd have with a with a cup of tea, and think this is great. I'm cheating the system massively here because this tastes just like a regular biscuit. With this with this heat, I'm gonna have a vitamin D overdose. I've been taking so much of it. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm literally gonna overdose on, on vitamin D. I think. But yeah, but the vitamin D tablets are great. The, mul- the multivitamins ones I have as well. I have the Omni Joint as well. Great, all great stuff. Try them out. They're, they're definitely worth trying out for a couple of weeks. Anyway, they, uh, like I, I as I said last week, I've only been doing them maybe like ten days now. But you can, you know, you can kind of feel the effects of them. And, and you know, these are these are not kind of short term things. These are long term things. Like you get a, a, like a box of them will do you like a month and see how to, you know, and give them give them an try. But they're I like everything I've tried so far has been pretty good. Despite our glowing praise and references to ORS Nutrition, I can tell you, Sean, it does get better. Go on. If you go to the website, you put all these things in a basket. When you get to the checkout, if, you're, if you've spent over a certain amount, they'll include a free gift and you can choose from a range of three or four items, I believe. Then, when you get to the checkout, if you put the discount code SEVEREMMA, just SEVEREMMA, all in capital letters, into the checkout box, you will get 25% off your first order mental can't ask for much better than that you really can't head on over to orsnutrition.com check out all of their products good friends of the podcast we really really appreciate their support ordering through ORS will help us I've been getting snapchats of people putting their orders through um, a couple of people saying maybe their discount code wasn't working and sent me a message if you contact the guys at ROS they will help you out no problem you can get them on Facebook and Twitter if you search their handles I think two, they're varying from each other but if you put ROS Nutrition into either search bar you will get their uh, official profile pages and uh, that's really it I think Sean I believe they're going to be sending Dave out some supplements in the nice. run up to his Bama fight Get him, get him prepared to, to cause havoc. Well, if any man ever needed a bit of vitamin D, it's Dave Fogarty. It's just, it is, in fairness. The but vampire. He's, he's still outside in America now, as we speak, is he? Um, well, he could be inside right now listening to this. Well, but you know what I mean. He's out in America, yes. Yes. In the he sticks. Should, that man could be, he's probably burnt to death. I heard he was going around the zoo there yesterday having rap battles. He was, yeah. Like, the, oh, my God, yeah. If they ever became public. <laughs> The, the severe MMA WhatsApp group was a lit for the last two or three days. So, we, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. First of all, Pizza Carol is having the time of his life on holidays. Tenerife. In Tenerife. Great with, uh, with Happy Elaine, birthday, Pizza, as well. With the first lady of severe MMA, Elaine, Pizza's girlfriend. Yes. She's uh, been on a couple of trips with us, actually, in the past. So... He's over there having the time of his life, sending us voice messages from disco bars with cheesy pop songs going on in the background. And then another lady of severe MMA, Mrs. Fogarty, got into a rap battle with Neve over voice messages and then just... Really? It all, yeah, it kind of all broke down then. But, it was pure havoc. Oh, but it doesn't stop there. Sean Sheehan is going into the, the funny video business, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to filter through that and see if there's any of them applicable to be released. But Sean has taken a taken a liking, you could say, to recording over my videos or other MMA interviewers' videos and uh, providing both sides of the analysis, both yes. sides of commentary. 
in, in preparation for his Bama gig as the commentator <laughs> of Dave Fogarty's fight, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. There, I don't think, well, look, some of them might be fit for public viewing. Pete, the Pizzi one, I did one, a voiceover of the the last hangout we did with Pizzi. And there's yes. like a, there's like a 30 second clip of Pizzi just sitting there, not saying a word. <laughs> and I, that was the best part of it. Absolute silence was the best part of it. But yeah, they were, they're not you bad. Have a viral, you have a viral yeah. Facebook career ahead of you in this. It's, it's coming like, I'm going to get millions, millions of uh, views on Facebook for absolutely no money. What a deal. Sign me up. <laughs> no views money? Views are money. <laughs> no money. Where do I sign? Music to my ears. <laughs> that, geez, that's Story basically... of the last couple of years. <laughs> that's basically an MMA fucking writer's uh, life. No money? Yes, let's do this. Excellent. Yeah, mm. I, actually, Abby from uh, MMA Junkie, he was sitting up the front row at Bellator the other night. And this guy kept trying to hand him 20 quid. Like, this guy who was off his head was trying to hand Abby money, and Abby was turning it, like, putting it away. I had to scream from the back. I was like, Abby, we're not all in that fucking MMA junkie pay card. (laughs) Send it down, son, if he wants to give it away. But Abby, yeah, Abby kept it. Getting that USA Today paper. Yeah, that's that's it. Do you know, I was was like, not a hope. Take that 20 quid off him now. I'll take it. Unfortunately, it didn't make its way back. Money's I think Jim nice. Edwards slipped it into his pocket. Did he? Jesus. Yeah, it was an enjoyable weekend, Sean, but I have not opened the Skype chat since we uh, both reconnected here, so I don't know what direction we're actually going to take it, if you'd like to lead. Just the last thing on, on, about... on the money. Is money gone mad just in the world, like you're saying there? Oh, right. But t- today, you know, you're Man United putting a £100 million bid for Paul Pogba. In 1993, this day in 93, United bought Roy Keane for £3.75 Imagine that. Imagine Paul Pogba being worth £96 million more than Roy Keane. It what? makes no sense. What insanity. But like people, yeah, I'm just saying that uh, as a pure, like, um, just uh, as a viewing kind of way. But, like, money these days, like, a hundred million player today is like a four million player pound player back then or like a 16 pound player yeah it's it's but it's it's gone mad like it's just the way the world like especially like last year bt bought the rights to some of the premier league games and now sky got some of them back and like bt bought over and above they paid over and above the amount of money for it last year and now sky have done the exact same so it's madness madness altogether but banks yeah, banks just be printing money, Sean. They'd be printing it. They don't give a shit. Back in my economics days, I would have gone mad at this. But let's. You, now you, you up... care more about mixed martial arts than I the do, global economy. Yeah, I don't give a shit about the global economy. You brought I've up also... Bellator there. Yes. Let's, let's talk about. Let's get into the into the MMA. You were over there. Initial thoughts on the whole card. How did you How did you like it? I'm going to mute you here and put on my fan while you speak. So keep talking for like twenty minutes. <laughs> Excellent. So, ladies and gentlemen, just in case you didn't, uh, we didn't tell you about this earlier on. Myself and Sean are both in our in our bedrooms at the moment. The severe studio has moved upstairs. It's a very nice little setup. The desk from IKEA is worth it. Unfortunately, in this weather, our rooms are absolutely sweltering. We both have desktop fans beside us, but when you turn it on, I'll just turn mine on here for a little second. You may be able to hear it in the background as it's hitting me directly near my microphone. I'll turn mine so, on. Okay, Sean is going to put his on. Okay. So, mine's on now. Is your on as well? I'll turn mine on now. So, 
as much as we would like to continue the podcast in this absolutely blissful breeze, those listening on earphones are going to be complaining to us fairly quickly about that. Why is there? Or they're going to go get to their doctors and get checked out. So if you hear extended periods of one person talking, it's because the other is texting the other (laughs) saying, I'm melting. (laughs) I need more air. Need break. Keep talking. But... (laughs) But anyway, Bellator this weekend, I was in the O2 Arena, I headed off on at 6 o'clock on Saturday morning, unfortunately my extended run of not sleeping before a flight has continued, the most stupidest thing that I've ever done in my life bar none, by the time some of the main events, the main card was coming around, there was a nap being considered on the media table, I am not going to lie. Overall thoughts. Okay, so I suppose it wouldn't be an Andrew McGatton review if we didn't start with the glaringly negative things that happened over the weekend, Sean. I know you're there, yep. so I, you're after giving a nod, a nod of approval. Get back to that fan. <laughs> it's no hassle. Um, Unmute. Yeah, mute. <laughs> excellent. So here's the first thing. The arena was cordoned off. So there was 20,000 capacity. There was all the upper areas, I think, were closed like after the VIP boxes and a good section of the stadium was cornered in. So it was a smaller enough setup, but it still looked empty at certain times. My main issue with this is that the media seats were four rows away from the cage. There was people in front. And the only two screens in the arena were behind the cage. So the media entrance was facing the, was facing the ramp. So there's the cage, the seats, then the cage, then a walkway, then the ramp, and two monitors either side. But depending on where you were sitting on press row, you couldn't see either the screens. And you couldn't see what was going on on the action on the ground. That was my main negative of it. I found it pretty hard. There was also no uh, media room backstage to get post-fight interviews. Uh, Talking to the Bellator guy, a guy called CJ, he's a really nice guy, he explained to me that he couldn't believe that there was even interest in the prelim fighters because over in the States, very little people will care about interviewing prelim fighters. I completely disagreed with him. I said, I think you guys have lost out on some good promotion here. Uh, Steve has an excellent relationship with a lot of the UK guys that were on the on the card underneath and some very yeah. impressive wins for, for all of them. So I thought, look, it would have been great exposure to get an interview with them because for a lot of these guys who may not go on to the next stage, Sean, Sean or this may just be a one-off thing, this could be the big, that could have been the, one of the biggest fight, fights yeah. of their career. Yeah. Do you know, and I t- I know Steve especially, we did manage to get a Menga, which will be coming out in the next day or two. We did manage to get one or two that hung around, like we were able to get James as well afterwards. But I think we could have really promoted the event a lot better there, as opposed to just a couple of media scrums with the main card guys afterwards. Then again, I said it to them, they've taken it on board, they weren't expecting that, so um, there's that as well. Um, Anything else that I'm thinking of? Like this... What about the crowd what? being... Really empty, like there was no one there, was there? So there was like, but for the MVP fight, Sean, the arena looked pretty good. To be fair, like I did look around, and I don't know if it was just that people were standing up or people were closer to me, but it seemed like more of a crowd had filled in towards the end, and then a lot of them left after the MVP fight as well. You know, it was really weird. It was like there was a lot of people there, and then just everyone started going for pints, or everyone was walking around or sitting in different places. So I think they could have cordoned the arena off even more and made it look better. You know, that sort of way and had everyone sitting in the same areas or I think even then like once you get to a show like they should be proactive and think like okay we're going to move everyone this way do you know what I mean so everyone's like in on top of the cage instead of people sitting really far away at the back instead yeah. of leaving sections completely empty I think just move everybody over that'd be that'd be my thing yeah. Um. aside from that a couple of good pops a couple of good atmospheric things I don't think Bellator are going to be in a rush back to London to be honest would be my overall synopsis of it like 
some like Bellator isn't established enough in the UK just to be able to uh, say right we're having a show here and expect 20,000 mixed martial arts fans to flock to you know KSW had a really good number in that arena before I believe and it was because a large Polish community in London number one but mm-hmm. also they promote themselves very well throughout Europe and the UK so Bellator I think failed in that area I think the local the local side of it I think could have been like for example like I know that we absolutely hate it but how many notifications do you get a day from Bama on your Facebook account because you're in different groups or cards being shared or this and that no you don't get them no I never get them okay I get them I get emails I get emails a lot okay you like Bama are actively out there in terms of their social presence Twitter I I see a lot of stuff on Twitter yeah Bama are very good at doing that I think yeah so I think, and maybe it is just the way that the sport is at the minute in the UK. Maybe it's like, I think something like if Bellator, like this this isn't an unfair thing to say, Sean. If the fights that happened on the prelims of Bellator happened at Bama in Dublin, people would be losing their mind at how good of a show the Bama show was. But it was just that there was something flat. It missed that extra thing. Do you know, for the bet, like, first of all, Alex Reed absolutely deserved no place on that card. It's insulting that he was on that card. It's a joke. It was a pure ticket seller move. Um, how many guys deserved a spot on that card ahead of Alex Reed? Or how many guys that fought on that card deserved to be higher billing instead of Alex Reed? So for me, this, this was a chance in UK MMA to step away from all of that stuff that's that we have openly taken the piss of it in the past for. Do you know what I mean? But it just couldn't be a UK MMA event without something like that in it. Do you know? And I just think they need to cut themselves away from that bullshit and just do it proper. Do you know what I mean? Put on the good, well-matched fights. Do you know what I mean? The lo- I think anything, any promotion, big promotion that's coming to the UK and needs help, or Ireland, do you know what I mean? You get on to Ian Dean. You get on to Jude Samuel. You get on to Andy Ryan. You get on to the guys that have been matching the local scene for the last however many years and know what they're doing. That's my opinion on it. And like, fair enough, the, there were local inputs in this, but as I'm saying, it still had the, oh, uh, this is an Alex Reed sort of thing. And another guy in the prelims came out and sang his own walkout song because he appeared on The Voice before. So that was my take. From your take, Sean, watching the fights from an aesthetic, like I have no issue with that. I thought the fights were brilliant. But you you uh, got to see you had the benefit of seeing replays. So if you'd like to throw a few thoughts my way, yeah, I, that was a bit of a rant actually, Sean. Yeah, Sorry, it was, it was it was good. I sh- I could have left on my fan for a little bit longer there, but <laughs> <laughs> I, at least now I'm no longer the most negative one in Sevilla about about Bellator. So that that's good. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I've negative I'm not, and positive. I'm positive. You're positive, yeah. Well, you're kind of you're very negative there towards poor poor old Bellator. They're only trying their best, right? I'm gonna go with the negatives first because you did that, and I'll get to the positives then, right? The negatives, first of all, first things first, and it has to be said: tape delay, absolutely stupid, ridiculous, can't happen, right? Uh, okay, maybe you know there was difficulties with the with the TV, there was other shows and stuff on, and they couldn't get it on at the time. You have to work around those things. You have to look. You say if the TV deal can't put it on live, you're going to put it online. You're going to do something like that. This sport 
cannot be tape delayed. It just can't. Because we heard, like I was talking to Graham last night, he was like, oh, I was watching the Gallagher fight. And I was like, oh, I wasn't even, you know, he was saying I wasn't even that pumped for it because I had heard it already gone to the decision. You know, if you're watching that fight, you'd be thinking, oh, James is going to finish him in the first one. You're kind of getting excited for it. But then he already knew and it just wasn't. And how many people like that? And the biggest point as well is, you don't get people live tweeting about it and going on Facebook and stuff that, like these MMA especially it's you know it's a sport built online and when you have tape delay you people aren't going online people are putting their phones away so they don't get spoilers of the fights and stuff so it, it just ruins it they can't do that I, I know like they've maybe there's problems and maybe there's it's hard to get ways around it, but you have to they've been doing this for years and years now I remember um I remember um, someone someone spoke to Scott Coker a long time ago. No, it was actually uh, the other guy. What was his name? Um, Pjarne Ribney. I think Ariel spoke to him years ago in an interview. And he said, we're getting that fixed. We're getting that done. Then Luke Thomas spoke to him, did an interview maybe 12, 18 months ago. And he said, oh, we're, the UK is going to be live in in the next couple of months and it still isn't you know it's even for their their own for the own UK, their own uk card they can't get it live so like that's that's one thing no matter what explanation they have for itself that's it they have to get it live um another thing uh, the, Jeez, uh a negative did i just one. hear a roll of parchment unroll there and hit your floor <laughs> a second ago no no okay go on do you have something to say about the the time delay have you yeah, so actually just on that, um, Bellator explained that. A couple of the media guys explained it backstage afterwards. I think it was something that the time slot that they were given was the only available time slot that they could have got. And the venue had a strict curfew in terms of whether it, it couldn't run later. So yeah. they couldn't have ran the Gallagher fight at nine instead of eight to but coincide like, with yeah. the live broadcast. But did you agree. do what Bama did? You know, remember Facebook. what Bama did? Yeah, yeah. No, but the the take your two hour time slot, right? Put on your top two or three fights whenever that is, and then put like undercards replay fights after that. Then, you know, you play. You know, even if you had say you had MVP, Mitrion, and Daly, you have those three fights live when they're on. And then afterwards, maybe play the Gallagher fighter. Are you playing another fight? Say, oh, this is a top prospect from earlier in the card. You do that. You know, you give live fights when you can give live fights. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. I thought, well, it didn't yeah, bother me because I had great crack you, live tweeting. Were there, yeah. Well, on, on I the fights you. themselves, I, I agree with you on, on the fights themselves. The fights were, were genuinely very, uh, generally very good. I like I have to credit Bellator for that, definitely. And if they were live, I would like I'd be waxing lyrical about this card. Uh, there was people talking about Michael Vinnie Page and and Cyborg Santos being a bad matchup and stuff. I think that's way off the mark. Yeah, Cyborg beat Brendan Ward like last year. Okay, he got knocked out and he came back what two and a half months after it. It was a little bit early, but in MMA that happens generally. He won the first round against MVP. I, th- I didn't think MVP looked great in this fight until he got that unbelievable knockout, which he's always uh, looking to get. But yeah, you know me, and I'm a huge MVP fan. But I think you know he's a, he's a lot to work on. He's you know he's gonna need. He's been. I think he's been training out in, in maybe Canada. He was with uh, um, Rory McDonald for a bit of his camp, but I think he's he's with a camp somewhere in America. But I don't think he's there that much. I think he, most of his uh, most of his training is done in in London. Fighter, London shoe fighters, is it? Yeah, I, I think he's he's gonna need to go somewhere with you know huge 
wrestling credentials you know he's it's different when you've maybe a jiu-jitsu coach or jiu-jitsu background stuff but he's such you know a striking background that i think he needs to go and get like like uh wonder by the go chris weidman get you know someone who knows wrestling who you you're there every day with for months upon months doing i think that's that's what he needs to to move to the next uh the next level i think top france scramman got a good finish mitrion didn't Dars. look great yeah, Dars. Yeah, me and my me and me and the Dars shocker kind of have a love hate relationship. He's are getting there. The last I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, Mitrion didn't look great. I was talking to Luke Thomas about it online, and we were kind of agreeing that he kind of looked like he was a little bit maybe not out of shape, but kind of did he really train for this? Is he taking this too seriously? You know, it looks like he's going into to Bellator, kind of taking these fights, just taking them for the money, and kind of realizing that he's probably going to win uh, regardless. So that's a little bit worrying, but he can probably get away with it. And Paul Daly then in the main event, uh, Douglas Lima, I thought was phenomenal, looked very good. I don't think Paul Daly is what he used to be. But uh, James Gallagher, let's get there. What did you think of his performance? Very quickly, Sean, on the Daly yeah. issue, there was a little rumor floating around afterwards that Daly has, was should have pulled out of that fight. I know he made the decision to fight, but something with yeah. one of his knees, and it impacted him massively. And from watching the fight, I actually thought something like that. I thought he something might have happened to him, like that he wasn't able to train or something's restricted him. But I did think he looked very poor. And like even when he started going for takedowns, I think as well at some points in the main event. So it was just, and then ended up pulling guard off it. So it was just a bit of a, a weird performance for Paul Daly, um, and probably felt pressured maybe that he couldn't pull out of such an event like that, headlining mm. in the UK for Bellator. But uh, nonetheless, James Gallagher's performance, like he's coming in for a bit of criticism, I think, for that performance. But just like, like first of all, it's no bad thing for a young pro to go three rounds that early in his career in my opinion especially when you're used to finishing guys and used to like getting first round finishes or out of his amateur career not really going out of the, the second round as much like just littered with finishes through his career so I think a decision like that is good for him um, but still it's kind of like he's achieving all of these things and it's phenomenal at such a young age and these are things that are going to stand to James and James is going to look back on his career with absolute like can't believe I did this and I can't believe I did that but on Saturday night I did get the sense that maybe I don't want to say it's too much too soon but there was just an air of caution I think around around that fight and I could be this this whole thing my whole speech here could be completely different if I come out and I said same like James Gallagher was on Cutting's back for quite a while in the first round I think maybe two minutes and Cutting shook him off and recovered I think and got and spun around into close guard on top and that's the first time I've ever seen that it's the first time that I've ever seen James lose a dominant position in an MMA fight he usually goes on to advance his position and gets the submission and finishes the guy there so I thought maybe it was the occasion maybe it was the stage maybe I'm not giving Cutting enough credit you know, but if James had done that, I'd be here saying James Gallagher went in, finished that guy like it was no business, but he didn't, and that's why we analysed the rest of the fight. When it got back to the feet, I thought Cutting was just, I think Big John should have stepped in a lot sooner and taken that point. Cutting did not want to be in there at all. James's takedowns are absolutely phenomenal. Definitely one of the strong points of his game, his overall game. Um, four for four in takedowns. Every, or three out of three of them were off kicks as well, Sean. So Cutting was very anxious throwing the strikes. He was throwing single strikes. He was nervous. Anytime he threw a kick, I think he only threw three kicks. No, I'm wrong. 
I he threw a considerable amount more because James had a bit of a welt on his leg as he was leaving. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had good success with the leg kicks. Good. Um, he was on the on James's outside left leg. He was landing a lot of kicks. Yeah. But I'm thinking that when he went for the body, it's when yeah when he threw kicks to the body, James was catching them, and he was then like edging like and this is where people for years have been telling me James is best up against the cage. James is best taking guys down from the wall and up against the cage. And in one of those takedowns, he actually he caught the leg in the middle of the cage and rushed them up against the cage and then completed his takedown that way. Um, the other one, I think, was just a grappling exchange up against the cage. So he was 4-for-4 four four for his takedowns and showed complete grappling dominance. But you could also see the flashes of his side where he was going for the, going for the finishes as well. Yeah, like when... It's weird with James Gallagher because when you look at a 19-year-old and if you see that performance from most 19, 19-year-olds, uh, this you know this guy's a very good prospect. Like he could you know he could be do big things in the future. But we're kind of at the stage with James Gallagher where you know people are saying you're talking about him being a world champion and stuff. So it's kind of it's weird because you're looking at him in kind of maybe in a way you should be looking at him and then you're looking at the way people talk about him like I remember when I said he got he got signed I was like he's going to be you know people someone asked me where where do you think he's going to go and I think I said like he can beat the lower to middle tier guys at the moment and he's uh, obviously a top prospect and I and people were saying why are you so negative why are you saying things like that and I was like do people really understand like he's 19 he's a prospect like by the time he's 24 like he could move on, he could be the best fighter in the world. Like he could be Bellator champion, but at the moment he's just not there. And I think that that kind of showed at the weekend. Like it's not to say he's not going to get there. It's not to say that he's not very good. But at the moment, he's not there. Like you can see, you can see springs of it. Like you can definitely see it. Like he's striking is, is still is not. He's definitely not there. I think he even said that himself. And that was you know probably the best thing about the performance. That the first thing he said afterwards was, I you know. I couldn't cut down the cage. I couldn't cut him off, and I think that's a huge thing. When he learns that, it's going to help a lot with his with his grappling as well. On the ground, as you said, he looked phenomenal. I thought he looked very, very good on the ground. Um, you know, people obviously the the you know the with the tattoos and everything, the whole Conor McGregor thing is going to come up and, you know, the way he, you know, he's a young kind of impressionable guy, only 19. But I think, you know, he's more of a Carl Pindred, Gunnar Nelson type of fighter, you know, as you said, push you against the fence, take you down there, wear you out, get the submission. And I think, you know, he's very, very good at that. We've seen him, obviously, like I've been in a couple of his, his amateur fights. You've probably been at most of them and, and a couple of his pro fights as well. Like he's, that's what he is. Like he's just take you down, wear you out. And if you can add the strike into that, it's obviously it's not there yet, but if you can add the strike into that, it's going to be very, very good. And I hope, yeah, Bellator, like... I think I've been at all of James's pro fights, actually. Have you, yeah? But Bellator, they need to give him the slow roll like this. Like Mike Cutting is, well, you know, not a great fighter. He made it kind of difficult for James in the second, in the second fight, or the second round, sorry. But I think, I think James will be, he said he was disappointed with him. I think he, he will be as well when he watches it back that, you know, he let him get away too much and, you know, he landed that one big spinning back kick, you know, and it could have put James in trouble, but look, enough he, he took it and it's fine he's a good chin as well but um yeah he probably you know he probably would have should have done a little bit better but as i said on, on the night good you know kick off your career in the big show 19 years of age and it's only going to be up uh you know it's only going to be upwards from here the but, one um, um the, yeah. if we can just talk one more thing about him there his the interview that i did with him afterwards i have to think was one of the best interviews that james has done and this is um like i was there when he that night when the opponent tapped in one second, yeah. you know, before James actually got to fight. And I've interviewed him from then a numer- numerous times. 
and you just like it's actually amazing if you go back and watch them to see him evolve as a person on camera literally in front of your eyes do you know what i mean you're seeing him it like like a sort of like a youthful enthusiasm that springed into like you know this can actually be a career for me you know this now is becoming a visible a viable opportunity for me for the rest of my life and it is and it's it's getting there it's getting to that point from now that he's showing more of the James Gallagher on camera that people have been talking about as a James Gallagher off camera for a couple of years do you know what I mean it, it just I, I've said it to him for a while I was like sometimes it just never translated do you know what I mean his whether he got nervous or there was just something with, <clears throat> about interviews when he was getting used to them the James Gallagher that you'd speak to before and after the interview was a little bit different from the one that was in the interview but still saying the same it was like he just the way that he's uh, it's anybody like Graham and Pizzi will, will agree with me on this I know um, like there are people that will that will back me up on that he just seems so like now he's starting to seem so genuine on the camera as well and it's just it's a, it's a brilliant thing for him like it can only help him in terms of growing himself. I see the comments, like couple, I think maybe eight or nine thousand views on that video interview already after his fight. Do you know what I mean? People care about James Gallagher. People are interested, and a lot of the comments under online are like wishing him all the best and thinking that he's a good kid and things like that. So the future is definitely bright. Yeah, look, I think his interview as well with you. Did I explain that right? You Sorry, did. Yeah, Sean. no, I, I think you did. And I think on the MMA hour was he was great as well. Like. There is that we've spoken about before. There is that whole Conor McGregor link, link thing. But I think this week he's done a great uh, service to himself in getting away from that. That's probably even better than the fight, you know, that he's done this week. I think on the MMA, he was charming. He was funny. You know, he it was. You know, he he sounded like himself. He sounded like you know normal nineteen year old guy who's you know trying to do his best. And I think going forward, that's you know that's probably the best thing to come out of this week. I think. Um, yes, you I know remember. more than everything, you know. So just as you said that, um, James has a very very strong relationship with his parents, you know, and that's evident. They try like to allow him to move to Dublin and stuff like that when he was so young is it just shows massive support and massive belief in their son, and he has kept that. Um, he was always like that, but now he's starting to mention it publicly. Do you know what I mean? Now he's showing that side of himself, which is apt. Like people need to see it. Do you know what I mean? The money that he's been able to make since he turned pro, he like, has sent his his parents on holidays and sent his parents on cruise ships. Do you know what I mean? Just as a surprise or for their anniversary and stuff like that. I'd say to be able to turn around and do that for the people that brought you up so far must be an amazing feeling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there we go. So that's yeah. it. We look forward yeah. to his next fight. Definitely. Should be should be good fun. Okay, let's get to some other fights that happened last week. Uh, UFC Sioux Falls, which in fact we didn't mention once on the podcast last week. Apologies for that. We didn't preview it at all, but I had my preview up anyway, so that that was uh, probably good enough. But there was a uh, there was lots of uh, there was lots of news last week. Uh, I suppose it wasn't. You know, it wasn't. I picked all the winners. Best. Did you? I picked all the winners yeah. as well. So there you go. My bet of the week came up again. Boom. Fuck you. I'm getting fair good at that. People need oh, to yeah. start eating my preview. I'll The best fight I thought, and I think you'd probably agree to come out from that card, was uh, Louis Smolka against against Ben Wynn. Phenomenal, phenomenal fight on the ground. Um, I've, say, I've been saying it for a while, and my brother Patrick actually is a big exponent of his as well, Louis Smolka. I think he's probably the best fighter at flyweight at uh, 
they never have fought Demetrius Johnson yet. I think I like Wilson Hess as well. I think Wilson Hess is deserving of a shot, but I, I hope Smolka gets one. You know, in the next six months, I think he definitely deserves one. Just a phenomenal display. Like Ben Wynn came out. I think another good guy, and I think he'll fight for the, the title as well in the future. But Smolka came out, or Ben Wynn came out very fast. Came at Smolka put him under pressure kind of like you know Paddy Hoolan kind of did the same Paddy Hoolan you know mixed it with him on the ground in, in that fight in Dublin and Smolka st- stood up to him you know and he stood up to Paddy Hoolan in that fight as well and that's you know that's the mark of a very very good fighter and, and he came back and obviously won by TKO in the second he probably should have won in the first but uh, uh, Ben Wynn was was uh, very tough as well to say through it I think he's a phenomenal fighter now I don't think he'd beat Demetrius Janssen or anything but I think he's he's definitely up there as one of the best in the division do you think Smolka could be the type of guy that we're looking back in a few years' time? The Max Holloway of the 125 pound division? Me, yeah, he's, peop- definitely. He's like, kind of and a, I'm not saying yeah, that because, that oh, we're both Islanders. Like. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think he is, but I think he's obviously a very different fighter. But I agree, yeah, he's like his ground game. You must I, like I. It's just phenomenal Beautiful. to me. You must you must think it's very good, and it's it's not just good like you know you see a lot of guys that kind of have sneakily good ground games and they have good sweeps and stuff and maybe they have one or two different you know, kind of like uh, T- Tony Ferguson we get the like very good dark shock and Smolka seems to have everything you know he attacks with triangles attacks with Camoras. I remember he nearly got a fucking omoplata at one stage he's attacking with everything he's sweeping out of everywhere and you know you can't rest for a second with him and I think Bin, Bin Win is very good on the ground as well so yeah it was just a phenomenal display I, I have time for any sort of fighter that is active off their back, both submission or strikes. I think it's a really, like, it's starting, It's for me it was something that was starting to fall out of mixed martial arts a little bit. Guard work, or guys fighting off their back. You know, because guys have gotten so good at base and ground and pound and different things like that, it's, it's evolved, but the high-level jiu-jitsu guys are able to shine through in that. Paddy Houlihan is outstanding jiu-jitsu, and Smoke and Paddy Houlihan on the ground is one of my all-time favourite grappling exchanges that's happened in a mixed martial arts fight. It was just absolute high-level, back and forth, counter after counter, here's my best, no, this is my counter, well, there's my counter to your counter, so go and fuck yourself. Like You know, it was just... It's it's amazing. The one I am gonna disagree with you though. It's not the fight yeah. I enjoyed most on the card. Which one was? Tony Ferguson. That was my boy. That was a very good fight. I have a couple yeah. of okay. Just one thing and, and a point that you made in the Smoker fight that I want to link to the main event. So just that I remember it. Um, I don't even have a pen here. So if you can remember the bullying, as you as you mentioned, like just yeah, go on. We'll get, we'll get to the main event. Go on. Just okay. Say it now. When John Lineker fights. When he fought Michael McDonald at the weekend, I thought that was a true test and a true character profile of Michael McDonald from here on out as a fighter. Yeah. You know when there's two guys fighting on a schoolyard and one of them is just so much more confident that he's going to win than the other guy. And when he throws a shot, the other guy shits himself and he reacts really quick and he moves back. Or if a guy comes forward to you straight away, the other guy's kind of like pretty much what would look like if someone tried to fight me, Sean, because I have no idea how to punch and I just know I wouldn't like to be punched. You know, so you just kind of like nearly cower away and move backwards. And like, if you ever see jiu-jitsu guys getting hit in MMA fights, they like just look the other way completely. Yeah. Just want to want to give up, get their gi back on. <laughs> that, that fight reminded me of that massively, like of a schoolyard scrap. And it was just John Lineker absolutely stalking Michael McDonald down. And McDonald, it was the guy, it was nearly like a, a guy who does karate being picked on in school. You know, that sort of way and it and realizing it doesn't work because McDonald had the air of a person who was confident enough in terms of throwing strikes back once he'd got hurt. 
But at the same time, it was just like, no, this is not going to work for you in the slightest. And I am appalled to say that as a huge Michael McDonald fan. I think he looked completely outclassed, but still has, still showed the signs of hope that I've seen in him in his other fights. Because he was dropped three times within the space of about 30 seconds, you know, in the first opening exchanges and still managed to get up, move back, recover and fight on and then land two unbelievable right hooks on Lineker that could have put most of the bantamweight division down and Lineker was just, it was like he was horny off the strikes that he had just landed so he just (laughs) kept going like... That's John Lineker. Like, like my gum shield's already bit through here, mate. You're not knocking me out with one of them, like... Yeah, I I disagree with you a little bit, but I know I know where you come from. Like I think Michael McDonald. Okay, is generally... my fans going on. <laughs> Michael McDonald is generally the bully in his fights, but I, I wrote about it in my preview. Like, if you if you're wild against John Lineker and if you try to be the bully, there's only one way John Lineker fights. He's going to be try to bully, try to be the bully as well. He's going to try to push forward. And when you're both, there's only one winner in that fight, and it's always going to be John Lineker because he, like, they, they talk about people being game bred. He is game bred. He is bred in the pocket. You know, John Lineker, Lineker, Lineker is one of those guys that if you throw down with him and if you swing arms with him, there's um, only going to be one winner. It's going to be John Lineker. Um, I thought McDonald did relatively well early. You know, he was you trying to keep him at the end of the jab. He's obviously a bigger, taller man. And he tried that, but then he got hit once and it kind of all went out the window and it was kind of all done from there. But he, you know, he did well. He's he's a good fighter. But I saw a couple of people talking about, and I hate this word, but I'm going to say it. He was exposed. And I think people thought, you know, he was he was out for like two or two or three years and kind of he's only kind of hung around around the top of the division because he's been out so long and he hasn't been able to get exposed and the game has kind of moved past him a little bit. Now, I hate, I said I hate the word exposed. I really do hate it, but I think there's a little bit of truth in that. I think the game has kind of moved past him. I think he's a very, very basic fighter. Um, like, his wrestling isn't good at all. He, you know, doesn't have many takes on, isn't good at staying off of his back, very open to strikes, movement isn't great. Like, he's, if he's fighting a guy not like John Nicker, you know, someone who maybe even hurt like a Brian Carraway, if he can keep that fight in the field, I think he could like he could win that fight because he's you know he's going to land a lot of strikes on Brian Carraway. He's hits he you know he's heavy hands, but against someone like John Carter, like a Dillashaw would absolutely eat him up on the feet. Uh, even like remember even Uriah Faber did. I think Uriah Faber would still probably take him down and beat him at this stage. You know he's a very flawed fighter. I think you know he's he's not a bad athlete. He could improve and things like that, but. He hasn't improved. Obviously, he's not long back from injury, but he's two fights back from injury. Hasn't looked very good at all. Um, on the other side of it, then John Lineker, I think, you know, I'd nearly give him a title shot now, to be honest. I think Just do it. Yeah, I think he's done enough. I think you need a fun fight at Bantamweight. You've so many good guys there at Bantamweight that... I think you need to make this division fun so people will start enjoying it and then they can enjoy, you know, the guys that are coming through. Like, I think it's too early for Cody Garbrandt. don't think Brian Carraway ha- has done enough. I think TJ Dillashaw is probably the rifle number one contender, but I think you hold on to that fight um, a while because if, if Cruz beats him again, you know, it's gone. I think you need to build up TJ again. I wouldn't mind, uh, Uriah Faber has a fight, but I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Faber or, you know, fight maybe one or two fights even before before he gets there. I think John Lineker and Dominic Cruz is the fight to make. Do you agree? Um, I do and I don't because I don't know if you saw it, but Dominic Cruz went on blast this week about the bantamweight division. Did he? Uh, yeah, he was on a podcast with Brett Okamoto of ESPN 
Yeah. Um, the second best looking media member. Um, <laughs> he he just went full tilt on TJ and he was like, nobody wants to see me fight TJ. I already beat him up convincingly. Do you know, there's absolutely no point in, like nobody wants to watch that fight. TJ, no one's interested in him. He doesn't move a needle. He doesn't move the meter, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I don't care about him. But then proceeded to keep talking about how he should never fight TJ Dillashaw again for another while. And he said the fight that he he then like went in on Demetrius Johnson. He's like, maybe Johnson should come up and try to fight me, considering I bet him for five rounds straight the last time. People would watch that. People would want to see him try to beat me as I beat him up again for the next five rounds. Then saying that he wants to fight Aldo because he thinks if there could be a McGregor injury after the Diaz fight, he's staying ready, step in, fight the interim champ. He wants to fight Aldo at a 145 super fight. These are all interesting Dominic Cruz fights. Like this, this is this is big business. Like I would be very interested in seeing either of those fights ahead of a TJ Dillashaw fight. The Lineker fight, yeah, okay. If if we're gonna be speculative, Sean, there was a rumor that Dominic Cruz may be on the UFC Vancouver card in the main event. Lineker didn't take much damage there. I don't think he's gonna get a medical suspension. That's a quick turnaround. John yeah. Lineker versus Dominic Cruz, quick title fight to end off the summer. Why not? That'd be all right. I'd take that. Is there anyone... Um, Wouldn't watch. Is there anyone Canadian in that? Mm, no, I don't see anyone. I don't Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Brock Lesnar against Dominic Cruz. We, we'll get to Brock Lesnar later on. We've a little don't bit worry. talking about him today. Let's, uh, let's just talk about from, the original G. Oh, go on. Yeah, yeah. We're just getting to him. Tony Ferguson. Your boy, Tony Ferguson. Um, Like... Tony Ferguson was never going to come out of this with, with too much credit, and I think he's probably came out with more than anyone expected, probably. But Lando Venata, ha- you have to hand it to him. Uh, team Alpha, or uh, Team uh, team Winkle, um, Jack- Jackson Winklejohn product looked f- absolutely phenomenal. Yes. Came out, put stood in front of Tony Ferguson and said, you fuck you, I don't... I don't care who you are. I'm, I'm standing here and I'm fighting you. You know, and he just... That's what he did. He he put it on Tony Ferguson. He you know he attacked him, knocked him down a couple of times. Like had Ferguson real. I thought the fight was over at one stage, but Ferguson, you know that that's the mark of Ferguson. He you know he comes back. He's you know he's tough as hell. Um, you have to be impressed with both guys from Europe. Although Tony Ferguson, you know if he's getting knocked down by a guy like this. How well is he gonna fare, fare against Alvarez? How well is he gonna fare against uh, against Habib, especially? Like, there's there's definitely questions to be asked over that. But you know, exciting fight again. Tony Ferguson's in nothing but exciting fights. It's just you know, he's one of those guys you can always you can always count on him to have a great fight. And uh, I'd say Venata's probably going to be the same. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing Venata against Joseph Duffy. Oh my Venata, God! Venata okay. fights one forty-five, I think, most of the time. But he that get was out of my head. Yeah. Right. What I was going to say is that that was one of the, like, first of all, how little fucks do you have to give in your UFC short notice debut to fight like that against Tony Ferguson? He gave minus fucks. And as a man who appreciates... Before he got into the octagon. As a man who appreciates a good jab, Sean, there was a lot of them in that fight. Yeah. Right? Venata, am I saying it right? Yeah. Venata. Venata was able to out-jab Tony Ferguson for the first part of that fight. Tony Ferguson, I think, is the longer fighter, and he was able to jab Tony. Like he put Tony Ferguson's head back straight with a couple of great jabs. His movement, like his head movement and his shoulder movement, was is my initial comparison was Joseph Duffy. The way Duffy likes to fight now as well, a little bit, a nice little bit of head movement. Will put his head down. 
Like, Venato was just slipping shots left, right, and center from Tony Ferguson's best arsenal at the start of that fight. I think the kicks were a massive part. Like, I was watching this thinking, like, if there was an American minor hybrid of Conor McGregor and Joseph Duffy, it's Venata, 100%. Like, some of the shots he was landing on Ferguson, standing out to the side, landing lefts over the top of the guard, absolutely phenomenal. Like, Conor McGregor sort of movement and, and, and pure... Like, what I, I'm saying this, I watched the fight again there before we come on, and I was so impressed. Like, I'm a, I'm a Tony Ferguson fan. The Darce was absolutely top-notch. Two two great Darce chokes this weekend in yeah. mixed martial arts. So, definitely, a, I, I can get behind that. They're definitely, sorry, my fan was still on. It was uh, one of my, fa- it's my favorite submission in mixed martial arts. But, I, I, he, he's not coming away with any higher plaudits. I think he couldn't have done himself. The only thing he could have done better was finishing Tony Ferguson in the first, as you said, when it looked like he could be onto something. But, um... No, two thumbs up, massive performance. Hopefully he got well compensated for that fight. And the Duffy fight down the road is definitely one I'd be interested in seeing. Yeah, like, watching that fight, I was like, I wish I'd seen more tape of Vanata because, it's, you know, she kind of came in in short notice. There was so much, you know, it was kind of hard to look up. you could have bragged him. about him before. No, no, but I'm saying, like, his game is so unusual that you need to, you know, you need to see a lot of it to understand it. And, you know, it was like seeing it for the first time. It was like, Jesus Christ, you know, he's a very unusual game. As you say, like, he fights a little bit like McGregor. Now, he fight, I think he fights a bit like Cody, you know, a bit like Cody Garbrandt as well, coming in with the big, huge shots, kind of, you know, holding his hands down on the outside. And, he, yeah, he's just an, un, you know, he's an unusual fighter. I'm looking forward to seeing him fighting again and put, putting a bit of, uh, putting a bit of work together on him, you know. So, should be, should be, uh, should be fun to see him where he goes next after that. Hopefully, you know, I think he's a little bit of a Deceronis about him, so I think he he's probably back in there sooner than later. But yeah, the rest Get of that, that card. Man on an Irish card. Exactly. Yeah, the rest of the card wasn't great. Tim Boch against Josh Man, a fellow media member. Wasn't wasn't the best fight in the world. I think Josh Man will be a little bit disappointed with, with the way it ended. I think this is a big opportunity to, for him to get one over, you know, on, on a kind of a, a fading veteran to maybe take his place. But it wasn't to be. Uh, Kyle Noak uh, lost as well. And uh, Lauren Murphy uh, lost to Emily Chukagan, I believe her name is, who fights like a tennis player. Did you hear? Did you see that you were over balance? I didn't see that one. See that fight, really? But yeah, she, she grunt like every time. Hot, hot, every time she she throws a bunch. Like one of my one of my best um, tweets of the weekend after the first round. It was like Chukagan thirty love was my score the first round. It was, it was brilliant. People, people. Did Kareem Zidane give you a thumbs up for that one? No, he didn't. I don't think. Why, why tennis did you bring, expert why did you my say, arse oh, oh okay I was wondering why was I like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah just uh, a random <laughs> random like, media call yeah okay let's get on to some other news that break well speaking of media there actually we'll, we'll just mention it here we were going to, we were, I don't think we actually had a question about it but um I sent you the article last night I think you read it it was this article was released by Elias Capita I believe oh, his yes. name was for, for Fox <laughs> And he's since resigned from Fox after. If you haven't read it, go on. I think Deadspin have an article about the article. The article was, he put this article on Fox Sports website. Right? Uh, and it was later taken down. And the article was basically about Brock Lesnar and about drug testing and about the uh, UFC and his drug fed and stuff. And it's actually a good segue because we'll, we'll get to Brock after this. But in the article, he kind of inferred that the UFC and USADA knew about the failure before. Brock's fight. Now he didn't say that outright, but if you read the article, 
you kind of, you know, it, it's, that's the point, kind of the whole point of the article. It's inferred for that. Uh, they took down, Fox Sports took down the article. There was rumours that the UFC asked them to take it down. Whether that's true or not now, I don't know. But first of all, before, obviously, I do a lot of editing on the site. Myself and Graham talk about things that go on the site. What, and we'll talk about that. But what, what was your initial reaction to the article and, and, you know, what happened around it? So when you asked me about the article, I thought you meant his resignation letter. I saw the article going around over the weekend, but I didn't click into it because I was at those events. And I was like, I was following the story on Twitter and I was, there was people coming back saying that he had removed it because the UFC had contacted him as well. That was an, a narrative that was going around yeah. the internet for a day or two. But I'm not too sure what substance there was with that. That would but be fine he, as well, to be honest, for me. Um, the UFC should have connected, contacted him to take it down because the article was absolutely disgraceful. I thought, like, I I read the article. Yeah, the article like was, if safe, I don't know whoever writing for the, you know Ryan or whoever writing for Severe Mess sends an article. You put that up, edit it. There's not one hope in hell that I'd put that up. Graham wouldn't put it up if you know if I sent an article like that to Graham, that wouldn't be going up on Severe May. And if you went. See, if I went and put that up and severing me without saying, you know, getting Graham to edit or without asking someone to, to read it, I wouldn't be working for severing me anymore. I can tell you that's a, that's a fact. That's how, you know, that's how bad it was. I thought it was off. And, you know, I see there's a lot of people kind of sticking up for him because it's, you know, just kind of a medium, you know, because they're fellow media members. I would usually do that as well. But this this time, I don't think there's any way you can stick off from I thought it was a you ludicrous article to put up you know you can't you can't just say things like that you, you know okay if you have evidence and stuff 100% please say that but you can't put that up without evidence without sources exactly you know you just can't and, do that and I think to be fair um, because the the great uh, the great Sean Sheehan ranting I was able to speed read the Deadspin article there because it was in the WhatsApp from you yeah. Fox have the same opinion as you because their official statement that they sent over and the article on Deadspin was updated was it was removed because the author circumvented our editorial process by publishing the story directly to the site without first submitting it to an editor for review. So they, like, as you said there, if Ryan had sent, uh, went to post a piece without sending it to use first and something like that went up, or if he had sent it to you, there's no way it would go up. So Fox were saying that they were going along the same reasons. They know that yeah, this like wasn't sent to us and probably to be fair wouldn't have passed an editor had he have sent it to to begin with definitely like something like that now would be common enough say on our side or on you know I don't know, some of the some of the smaller sites maybe even as far as maybe bloody elbow or something like that maybe not them but like big sites like fox fox sports mma fighting you know all those big sites you nothing goes up there without going through an editor first like nothing at all like Oh, I'm sure, like, unless they're running it, you know, obviously we have a lot less money and stuff to put into it. And if we had them, you know, if we had more people, we'd do that that way as well. But obviously they have, like, lots of money. You, you know, there's going to be people working there. Unless they're running the show like a pure shit show altogether, then it's going through editors, you know. It has to be. And, like, for it to go up like that would be a little bit unusual as well. And maybe, you know, you can read into that what you want. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just a weird situation. I don't think, you know, I don't feel any sympathy for, for the guy, to be honest. It was it was something that shouldn't have gone up. You know, it's something that unless you have, you know, unless you have sources, unless you have the ability to actually say that this is true, you can't print something like that. Well, Sean, 
as to say more yes. than that however is just plain wrong I don't understand no that was the last line of his article that was pulled oh, from Fox Sports yeah. um, because thanks to the magic of the internet he then posted it on his Facebook page in full before it deleting it saying that Fox Sports claimed intellectual property and had to, it had to be deleted there's a cached version that has been edited into the Deadspin article so you can actually get the original article within the Deadspin one as well yeah so but I suppose on his, the guy we, he was talking about one okay no I was just going to say can we just talk about his resignation yeah just for one second like he said what was the main thing that he said was it ethical differences mm-hmm. or just he, he was kind of pretty much trying to thank everybody that he worked with directly but through uh through a shot at the bigger ones the executives yeah. that maybe pulled it so again burning your bridges a little bit on the way like fair enough i doubt he'd be going back to work with them anyway but i don't think he i think he could have handled that letter a little bit better yeah should have sent yeah, it to I... an editor you could have even said you could even say sure <laughs> oh, at sean sheehan 59 at gmail.com no no, wrong. Sean at SevereMMA.com. Sean at com, yeah. Fuck's sake, I know my email, Andrew at SevereMMA.com. Oh, dear. Okay, let's get on to Brock. Uh, obviously, Brock. last last Friday night, the beast incarnate. We shockingly. At the bar. Da, 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 da. Shockingly to everyone. Night. Failed the drugs test. And, uh, yeah. Well, they, no, that, he's been informed it. of a potential oh, USADA violation. Yeah, yeah. But apparently now Disclaimer. there's this shit coming out that... Shit, sorry, I shouldn't have said shit. There's this rumour going around that it's... Uh, the the, the um, uh, excuses around or what's... Uh, I don't know what... The reason why, why he fa- failed his ass, man. That's actually happened for people know Frankie Sheehan who used to play for Munster that actually happened to him he's he's an asthmatic and uh, he didn't fill in the form right and he failed for one of them I think he got three months or something in the end so it, it you know it, it's possible he might he actually might have asthma I think he actually does have asthma so maybe it's 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 that but I suppose we'll have to see what the actual substance is if it's something like that but UFC 200, I think it, the bigger picture, what a, what a shit show it turned out to be like. What, a, you know, like just fuck up after fuck up after disappointment after fuck up. Like it was just unbelievable, wasn't it? Just because he wouldn't do the press conference, huh? Exactly. Exactly. He could take as many drugs as he wants. He can fucking go get hot and fucking asthma medicine all, you know, all around fucking Dublin. As long as he do- shows up for the press conference, it's grand. Fucking some joke, isn't it? Did you not see the uh, the breaking news though about the after sorry after the Fox thing? Super Callow uh, announced that he has joined Fox Sports as a columnist. <laughs> he'd be fucking. He'd write more truth In than his, that anyway. He well he give a he give a, a a preview into his first article. It will detail how UFC was one hundred percent not guilty of any wrongdoing regarding PED testing and releasing results post pay PPVs. Great man. Anyway, on the Brock thing, okay? Just as you're saying, it's a whole shit show from the start to the start to the finish. Yeah. Is it possible that the UFC knew of this result before the fight happened? No way. Not a fucking hope. So, like, because you sad to release it. But, in theory, Sean, to play devil's advocate, Brock Lesnar could have gone to the UFC and said, boys, I've been tested eight times out of competition by you Sada. They tested me on this date, which I think was the 27th of June. Yeah. And he could have turned around and said, 
I'm not passing that test. We don't have the results back yet, but I'm telling you now, I'm not passing that test. What would the UFC do then? Okay, you're not main event in UFC 200. I think they probably would, to be honest. They'd pull the Maybe fight. Maybe not. Yeah, I think they probably would. I think so too, to be fair. Especially in light of all of this, that now fights are being pulled short notice because of USADA failures. I feel the UFC would 100% pull it. But I'm just throwing that out there, Sean, for the tin hats, the tin wires among us. And the actual, in fact, the best tin hat argument I heard was the exact same thing as you said there with and added on, okay, Brock, we better move you out of the main event so it doesn't look as bad. That's what I heard. That's, that's the tin hat that I heard. But I, I, if they did that, like, I find that very, very hard to believe, like, you know I I just I think they've put too much time and effort into for to do you know something like that especially like on the, the fucking day before the sale was coming through I don't like that's a four billion fucking uh, dollar deal to jeopardize that for the sake of for the sake of fucking you know one fight I, I don't think so I don't think so to be honest um, you know it, it, it's a weird situation this this whole Brock Lesnar thing like it's the, the exemption, you know, he got a four, obviously he got a four month exemption. If he didn't, or he got an exemption, so he didn't have to be tested for the four months. He what he got like six weeks or whatever of of testing. Um, it tests he, as well. If he had, yeah, if he had been tested for the four months, would he have fought in the fight? Would he have been caught before that? You know, that's that's the thing you have to ask yourself now. Like, you can. Okay, Brock Lesnar got caught on the, we'll say, like, oh, 10 days before the fight, right? And the results didn't come through till after the fight. So there's nothing really you can do about that, right? And you can, okay, you can get results speeded up and things, but the way it is at the moment, that's just the way it works. But they could have tested him for four months before the fight, you know, or they could have not given him a fight until he had the four months testing. And then we'd know for sure he's been clean for four months and he's gone into that fight, you know, ethically, you know, you're going into that fight as an ethical, clean athlete for at least those four months. But that that didn't happen. You know that he got you know six weeks training and like that. You might as well or, or testing. Sorry, you might as well give him none. To be honest, or four weeks testing. Sorry, you might as well give him none because if I'm not saying Brock Lesnar did it, but if you're actually not even caught. Yeah, <laughs> but he might have been caught for something else. But like, it, it's pointless. Like anyone will tell you, okay, there's different things you can do at different times. But those big cycles, they're done far out from these occasions. Like, if you ever heard to watch documentaries and stuff about Lance Armstrong and all the way those guys did it, they did it when they were training and they did it when they were doing their endurance. You know, they did their big stuff there, and that's where most people do them. So to take away the format exemption, I like I said it at the time, I thought it was terrible. And I, you know, I still think it's terrible, especially in light of of the the, fa- the test failure. But I suppose that that'll change when we see what it's for. But at the moment, it just doesn't look good. So, in other news, Sean, since we're yep. sticking on the top, since Throwback Tuesday here, all the way back to the time where the first couple of podcasts were riddled with drug talk. Yeah. We found out the name of the substance that John Jones failed for on his drug yes. test. That was released mm-hmm. yesterday by. Was it by USADA or the Las Vegas? Athletic it was Commission? the Nevada State Athletic Commission, yeah. So because they release all of their stuff afterwards, you can get them from a Freedom of Information Act. Um, I'm just loading it up here on MMA Fighting. Basically, John Jones has come out in the last 24 hours, Sean, and the quote that people are leading with, he's a victim of his own ignorance. What do you think? 
He has yeah, already said that he has, tweeted, yeah. he has already said that he has sent all the products that he has taken. That's all been done. It's been sent to a lab in an effort to try and clear his name. But I'm not too sure. What do you think? Yeah. What he took was um, hydroxychlorothiazide, which is an anti-estrogen agent. Yeah. It's an estrogen blocker. So basically what that does, look, it can be used possibly, and this I don't think this is, this isn't proven or anything, but it's kind of, people use it for the for this purpose, right? It's to boost your testosterone, right? So you, if you take anti-estrogen, it puts your estrogen down and your testosterone up, right? So that's kind of in theory what it does, but what it's mostly used for is doing that thing the same thing as I said there, putting your estrogen, putting your testosterone up after you've taken testosterone as a steroid. So because when you your test estrogen levels rise, yeah? Yeah, but when you take that testosterone as a steroid, right, it pushes you up at the start, right? So you get the boost from the testosterone, but then it dives down when you stop taking it. So to take to take the estrogen blocker when you're off the testosterone, it brings it a little bit back up. So it's not, you know, it's not a series. If you take, say if you're, we'll just say a number. These aren't the actual numbers. Say your testosterone is at a five, right? And you take the TRT and it goes like a 15, right? And you're coming down there and it maybe goes like three. That'll bring you up to maybe four, maybe five, maybe six. You know, it'll bring you up one or two. It won't bring you up fucking 10 like the testosterone does. So, you know, something like that. It's more of a kind of a level out after you do a steroid thing. But... It's it's in other things as well, I believe. Like it could be in you know some dick pills and things like that. Uh, apparently, there's some supplements that have things like that in it. We, you know, like that, that testogen that we talked. I'm not sure if it's in that one specifically, but stuff like that. You know, testosterone boosters. They use the estrogen blockers as a testosterone booster. So you know, could he have gotten one of those supplements? You know, could he have just taken the wrong one? Maybe he took some dick pills, something like that. It might have it might have been in in one of them or something. Like we we don't really know, but. Um, yeah, that's it anyway. Those playing this week's edition of Severe Me Bingo, you're, you didn't you did hear that correctly. Two references of the word dick pills from Sean Sheehan. Mm. Please mark that off your card now immediately. Can you hear Excellent. the phone ringing? Sean, what? Can you hear the phone ringing? Is your phone ringing? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Leave oh, ring I don't want to answer. No, it's my home phone. Oh, no, I can't hear it. The, your, mic's, your mic's good, Sean. It's not that good. Tell me this, one one last thing on that. This isn't the lowest that John Jones can go in his career, in my opinion. Actually, I agree with you, yeah. And the re- like, Chael was on Fighter and the Kid the other day, and they both kind of made plain references to, like, we're fighters, we're one of the guys, you know, this is, trust us, this isn't the worst that can come out about John Jones. Chael called him a horny guy, I think it was, on the, um, yeah. on the episode. So... Yeah, okay, in theory, this could not be the last time we're faced with a John Jones-related question on the podcast or discussion. But am I right in saying this? I believe he has also hired the same lawyer that Tim Means used when going against USADA. I think I saw that online as well. I'm not sure that he has hired Yeah, anti-lawyers that have done this before. Probably is it because I think Malky uh, is with Tim Means. Well, Malky Cow, obviously, John Jones is manager. So, yeah, probably. So, potentially the same guy. At best case scenario, John Jones gets a six-month suspension, I believe, dating from the date of the failed test. He has already been suspended by the Nevada State Athletic Commission pending a further um, inquiry, which I think is going to take place in September or October. We're not going to see John Jones fight this year, 2016. 
Did you have a prediction about John Jones not reclaiming his light heavyweight title in 2016? I had a prediction of a, 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 I think did I say a champion? I think I said yeah, a champion being stripped of his belt because of a failing a USADA drug test, and obviously John Jones was the interim champion. But I had like ten top ten fighters or something being caught by USADA, and I think there's a good few already. Hector Lombard, um, Yul Mira, obviously he got left out again by it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna count him anyway. Uh, John Jones, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a few more. Fra- John Jones, Frank Mir, Frank Mir was up there. Uh, it's probably a couple more by the end of the year. It'll probably be ten, so I'll probably can mark that one off as correct. Excellent! Yeah. Congratulations. I, I, I actually, I'm not sure if he'll get away. If this was someone else, I'd probably say, yeah, I, I definitely agree. They get away with six months. But when it's John Jones, when it's someone big like that, they could make an example out of him. Oh yeah, but then, yeah. well, they did it with Diaz. Do you know? But Diaz fought it and it won. But it, you but saw that, that an arduous. Yeah, it's gonna be you. Oh well. Can are you sad able to go out of their way to say this? Like I suppose they have a minimum and a and a maximum. But if Jones presents the same sort of case that Tim Means did, there's absolutely nothing other than a six month month suspension yeah, that they maybe. can give him maybe. and put it down to like I don't think you can throw an extra thing at John Jones because well you left well you left a woman in a car and you know you've failed for out of competition use of cocaine so this like they can't do him extra on the presumption that he may have been on steroids at another point in his career so I, I see I, if anything I'd say Nevada would try and make an example out of him Yeah, maybe, I think even those days are gone because of yeah. the outrage over the last time there's two bits of jurisdiction as well like you have Nevada and you have the USADA so I, I don't think anyone really knows who's going to where the band is going to come from yet like it, we think USADA but then he was on, you know, up in front of the NSAC the other day I don't know. It's just a, it's a weird one, you know. Kind of, the lines are being crossed here an awful lot between those two things. So, I, you know, I suppose a lot of it's going to play out over the the coming weeks. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Before we get to the questions, uh, there was an announcement this morning. Ashling Daly is fighting the karate, karate, karate hottie Michelle Watterson in uh, in Hamburg, Hamburg, I believe. Just let me click on uh, on superhumanmedia.com. Yeah, UFC Hamburg. Great for Ashton Daly, you know, to get matched. I remember around Christmas time she was looking to get I mean, get a match. Has she fought this year? Or it was just after Christmas she fought with and she was looking to get another one a long time since she's been matched. But you know, it's great to see her her back in uh, back in action again. That should be a good fight. Um she's obviously gonna have a big size advantage over over Michelle Washington. She's more a two hundred and five pounder and Ashton Daly has fought, you know, she she's fought at one thirty five, definitely fought at one twenty five anyway. So it's you know, it's gonna be a good fight. Uh Ashton Daly's obviously very good on the ground. Michelle Watterson is is better on the feet. Ashing Daly can take her down. That's you know that's a winnable fight. A big name there, but you know it's 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 a fifty fifty one. You know Michelle Watterson obviously fighting out of uh, uh, Jackson Winkle John as well is going to be coming into that fight game. You know ready for what Ashing Daly brings up. Really looking forward to that one. Do you think it's just like we've seen it so much with the women's division so far? It's like these girls are ready and waiting to get matched, and the just UFC weren't capitalizing on it. They just there was a period that the women's fights weren't weren't as respected, you could say, by the fans as they are now. Yeah, I don't think it's... And I think Ashling suffered from that because she was yeah. one of the first in in the 115 division. So now it's kind of like she's been in the UFC for a while now and I don't think we've got to see her full her full potential. Yeah, I don't think it was the fans. I think it was more the UFC just not matching them. And I don't know why. I I think the lighter fighters as well. It's not just women like the one twenty five or one thirty five is even for a while. 
found it very tough to get matchups. You know, fun. You know, find it hard to get on on cards. Maybe that's because Sean Shelby um, or Joe Silva has. Hey, no, no, just no. Silva's authority over over Sean's joke. Maybe, um, so yeah, I I don't know, but hopefully that's changing. Now it's good to see Ashing back on, on a character. Obviously, I say a few Irish people will probably travel over. One uh, one final thing on that that will benefit Ashing Daily massively. Mm-hmm. Assuming the UFC starts adopting the the weigh in policy for events that they're I I assume they will. They've always said that to follow Nevada. When it comes to sanctioning events, Nevada are allowed now are allowing fighters to weigh in at night at from eight a.m. in the morning. Um, Ashing, who has struggled making weight in the past for one fifteen, because it's a it's a tougher cut for her. Um, this is going to be a massive benefit for benefit yeah, to her. Great point, Ash, from yeah. speak from speaking to fighters that have um, and I think we'd get to see a much better version of Ashing Daly. First of all, she said in an interview with Pizzi today, I believe, on Severe, that this like uh, the big name fight is much more motivating for her to be able to train to get excited for this fight and ready for this fight more prepared for this fight she's going to be coming in at her absolute best I think that we've seen in the UFC um, thus far and with the added weigh-in thing I think it's going to be fantastic for her from speaking to some fighters um, for example like um, Duffy said that him he was one of the first guys on the scales when he was weighing in it was fantastic cut was done in the morning got on the scales at 8 o'clock went was having his breakfast he was up like fully rehydrated and back eating proper proper meals by 3 p.m. that day you know the day of his weigh-in normally at that time you're sitting backstage in a room cold in an arena waiting to get on a scale to weigh in and then get onto a fighter's bus back to the hotel and then you start your rehydrating when you get back home so to me this is going to be a massive thing we're going to see better performances all around and I think this will only benefit Ashling and they're going to be able to plan towards that I know she works with a girl called Lindsay Doyle who a lot of Irish MMA fighters are waxing lyrical about and she specializes in terms of female weight cutting as well so she's a big big benefit to Ashling and I know she works with a lot of jiu-jitsu competitors as well in the country yeah there you go uh Speaking of that, there's another big female fight this weekend on top of the Fox uh, Sports card. Holly Holm against uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Just a couple of quick words on that before we get to questions. I don't think this is going to be a great fight. Uh, It could be if Valentina Shevchenko probably decides to break into a fighting mode, you know, tries to break into Holly Holm's range like kind of Ronda Rousey did uh, to make it an exciting fight. These two people who fight, fight really fight on the outside, especially Holly Holm. You know, she won't come within an arm's distance of uh, of an opponent unless she can kick them in the head or unless she they're hurt or you know, she will jab you from the outside. She'll throw lots of fancy miss. Shevchenko just kind of she's a very much a counterpuncher. Stands on the outside as well, waits for her opponents to come in and tries to counter, which is going to be very very tough against Holly Holm. So. I I can't see how this one is going to be exciting unless, as I said, unless Shashinko decides, okay, I'm going to get in, I'm going to make this a fight. And I think she can win that fight. And she's probably the only one in that division, maybe apart from Amanda Nunes, uh, arguably, who can who can win a fight like that against Holly Holm. But I don't I don't see that happen. I think it's going to be um, a five round a five round boar fest on that card as well. Um, you Frankie signs against uh, Eddie, Eddie Wineland on the other card. Darren Elkins is back. You have Alex Arivela at Jim Ehlers who's fought in Ireland before. Uh, he has, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he has. Well, he's fought in cage riders anyway around around uh, Europe. I think he fought, he did fight in cage. He in fought Dublin. in uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Philly Searing against Kellen Corn as well. My boy Francis Ngannou back at heavyweight and the big one for me on this card 
Edson Barboza against Gilbert Linda. So what do you think they'll win that? Oh, it's a fucking fight. I think Gibbler, to be honest. Gibbler. Edson is like, Edson's <laughs> career kind of went through like, oh, this is great, this is great. And then deflates a little bit and then it comes back up a little bit and, and peters out again. I think he's on his upswing again though. You know, I think yeah. this... If you're if you're gonna put Edson Barboza against Gilbert Melendez, this is probably the best time in his career thus far to do that matchup. Gilbert though is still undoubtedly one of the top uh, lightweights to have ever lived. But am I a bit out of touch in saying to have ever lived? Are you gonna jump on me there? Uh, top ten maybe to ever live, definitely. That's it. He maybe. is like top I, I, but I unfortunately. It's this is the sort of matchup that I do see Barboza more likely becoming a champion than I do Melendez during yeah, this UFC 100%. run. I agree. So it's kind of like a a meet like best possible time for Barboza to fight him, worst possible time for Melendez, but still in my opinion a good possibility that Melendez is good enough to be able to beat him. Here's here's a, a useless a useless fact useless that's fact. there for you. Gilbert Melendez has never been knocked out in his career. Do you think? Do you think this could be the first time? Oh, I don't know who had an idea. Look, it's the month of it. Diego mm-hmm. Sanchez never been stopped properly. Yeah. Other than a cut. The only time Melinda's has ever finished is that the guillotine that Anthony Pettis got him in. So there you go. I think I think Barbosa, as you said there, he goes in ups and downs. I think he's really on the up now. Like even you know his last couple of fights, he lost to he lost to Tony Ferguson there, but I think he looked very good in that fight. You know he could have beaten Tony Ferguson until he got. Caught in that dash hook and Tony Ferguson just kind of, as I said, he comes through the the darkness better than than most guys. Beat Anthony Pettis, beat Paul Felder. You know, I think those are all good wins. Even look good against Michael Johnson in that fight. Oh, well, he didn't look great in that fight, but he looked good against Ferguson. Yeah, I think I think really this is Barbosa's time. I'm a big Barbosa fan. I'm, I believe in him. I think he'll win it. And um, back yeah, for should, knockout. Be, should be good. Come I didn't. But I might have a look. I haven't looked at the bets yet. Actually, I wrote, I wrote my preview there the other day, but I must uh, finish it off now tonight. You'll but have yeah, a flutter. He he definitely I definitely think he could do it. The main event I think I think Home will win that. I think it'll be a boring one and I think she'll take it. But hopefully I hope Shoshinko closes the distance and, and tries to make it a fight because if she doesn't we're in for an absolute stinker. Stinker. Sean, I am yes. not letting you get on to questions because you have forgotten the most important thing of the last week. What's that? World Jiu Jitsu Day. Oh god. Well, yeah. We were treated to a feast over the weekend. Chael Sonnen watched... Submission Underground Eddie Bravo Invitational and Metamorse have only seen highlights of a lot of them I can't wait to sit down tonight and watch the full EBI in, uh, in full there was some beautiful submissions from what I saw from what you saw of it are you now more convinced that this is a great format for grappling I didn't see one second of it did you not ah oh. okay never mind I was on a break this weekend apart from Bellator okay well I will we we can talk about it a little bit more next week because they're announcing, I believe, some of their card pretty soon. I heard a heard a rumor coming out from that, but it's going to be for me. It's the most exciting format in grappling at the moment. I like it as well. Me- though. I've seen it before. Metamorphs yeah. was riddled with draws. Do you know up and no. down the card? No shockingly way. enough. Metamorphs draws. Gary, so I don't know if you've been following the story. What's happened in the main event of Metamorphs? But Halleck Gracie, the guy that promotes Metamorphs, and yeah. the guy that. A lot of people have issue with. He had a match at the weekend against Gary Tonin, the leg lock specialist, yeah. and Gary Tonin knee barred him. Yeah. So there I'm you go, Gary. To- and there was a little bit of rivalry back and forth because Tonin had issues with Metamorphs in the past. 
Metamorse's production, as always, very good. A couple of good highlight videos to hype up the fight beforehand. Um, Eddie or Gary Tonin is a teammate of Gordon Ryan's, who you are big on, big Gordon. Yeah. Oh, big fan of the last EBI. Gordon has actually called out. Um, Gordon has called out Halleck for the next Metamorse. Ooh, I like it. So that could be interesting. Either way, catch up on it if you can. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm getting a phone call at the moment from Graham. What are, I just text Graham. What the fuck is the animal? Graham? You're live on the Severe MMA podcast. How are you? Oh, oh still going, is it? Still going. You're some prick, Graham. Oh, okay, fair enough. Sorry, I thought you were finished. I'll let you get back to it. I'll talk to you after. Okay, no problem. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. He just texted me. Was the podcast good? And I just replied, good. And I was like, I thought by that he'd recognise that we were still on the podcast. But no. No. Well, no, because you said yes, it was good. Well, it has been good. Suppose, yeah, and we're sticking to this matter. time fairly well, so I'm going to throw it out. Tell the good folks. Well, I will, before, while, while um, before, for before you tell... What? Yes, go on. Yeah, you're more, no, yeah. Have you more jiu-jitsu? No, no, no jiu-jitsu uh, shit. Well, uh, technically, yes, because I was going to say, if you are if you're, if you're train, if you're interested in new gear, head on over to scramblestuff.com, makers of the Severe MMA t-shirt. I'm back on it uh, from today. As soon as this podcast is done, I have a couple of DMs to open. A few people have been sliding in. Those international orders are being put out this week. We've found out our shipping rate for that, so that is no hassle. To order a Severe MMA t-shirt, we are, I think, Sean, we are officially out of Navy mediums, unfortunately. Send a message to um, the Severe May Facebook, Twitter page, DM, anything. Just send us your size, your address, and I will come back at you with a PayPal link ASAP. So scramblestuff.com for a range of gear and no gear apparel. They helped us out a lot with these t-shirts. They are absolutely superb. And uh, get yours ASAP. Yeah. Sean, tell us Severe about ROS. Brought to you by our good friend, our good old friends at rosnutrition.com. Sponsors the Dublin football team who had a good win at the weekend. They're cheating all fuckers at the same time. They shouldn't have won it all. <laughs> Do you see that? Dear McConnell. I didn't. He judo threw a guy down to the ground. But I caught him by the neck, right? Fucking judo threw him. Got a yellow card. The other guy got a yellow card as well because he got judo through. I suppose you're not allowed to throw yourself through the fucking air now. But anyway. <laughs> he looked in good shape while he was doing it anyway but um, yeah it'll help you with your judo rosnutrition.com you can go over there and get 25% off your first order with the promo code severe MMA. they have all that good stuff protein BCAs uh, omni joint help you with your joints you know krill oil all that good stuff head on over as I say rosnutrition.com help them help us help yourself rosnutrition.com promo code severe MMA for 25% off your first order tell a friend oh. Or else. Or else. Mr. Podge is first in this week. Sean, yeah. he wants to know, what is John Lineker's ceiling at bantamweight? What point is he too small? And would £130 be his ideal catchweight? Yeah, it probably would. I think he's ceiling his title shot. Oh. Yeah. He's not going to be Dominic Cruz. No. Cruz might head away for pastures on you, though. 145, who knows? Won't be Dillashaw either. Farrell Connolly wants to know Paddy Pimlet versus Tom Dukenois is a featherweight bout. Who gets the win? And is it a future UFC fight that we could see down the line? Probably not. I think I think Dukenois is, is one thirty five now. That'd be that'd be a good fight. I think Paddy Pimlet might be a little bit too big for him. 
you know, he big trouble against Brendan Duk- Brendan Lock Brendan Dukeman and got him Brendan Lachlan in that fight, and mostly based on but Brendan Lachlan's a good fighter, but was mostly based on his size. I think Paddy Pimblett's very good on top. You know, good jujitsu as well. I think uh, I'd probably pick Pimblett in that, but I think you know it'd be on size, not on quality. You know, I. Not saying that Wimbledon doesn't have good quality, but I think, you know, I think Duke Morris could be a champion at 135 if he's that good in the UFC. Excellent. We have a follow-up from Mr. Podge, and I'm actually going to finish off it because someone brought it up to me earlier on, so we'll skip back to that in a little while. Karen Stapleton, did you see what he sent to the podcast account? Um, he sent back a screenshot of going back. To oh, yes, he's working did, nights yeah. at the moment. He's listening to old podcasts. But for shits and giggles, these are the questions that are are they still uh, relevant now. Would Ireland Allen still wreck Amir Khani? Wreck him? Did I say wreck? Yeah, I'd probably pick Ireland Allen to win that fight, yeah. Why have Bama still not put an Irishman in the main event of the three arena? That's going to change with Chris Fields in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, Tom Dukenwell is still on a quest for UFC gold. Yes, you've just answered that one there as well. So a couple of them are still there floating around. Stephen Lowry uh, sent a question as well. Something to chat about as a pod, as on the pod, as a fighter, are your goals still the UFC? Yeah. So I thought he was talking about my fledgling mixed martial arts career and I was going to talk at <laughs> length, but unfortunately not. He meant, if you're a fighter in Ireland now, are you thinking Bellator or are you thinking UFC? Is UFC the be-all or an end-all? I, I think it is for a lot of people, but I... I think that's changing a little bit. You know, the percentage of it being be all or end all for a lot of people, you know, that's their dream to get there. I think, uh, you know, before it used to be, say, it used to be 100% of people. It used to be everyone, I hope. Obviously not everyone, you know, thinks they're going to get the UFC. There, you know, there's a lot of journeymen and guys just want to do it in the, in the local. But if you were saying, I'm professional, I want to go to the top, oh, it used to be 100% of people go to the, to want to go to the UFC. Now I don't think it's that much. I think it's probably high. I think it's probably over 75%. But I think a lot of people are thinking, like, I just want to get paid now. And if Bellator are going to pay me more money, I'm going to go to Bellator. You know, if you think you're going to be big, say, like, if James Garner now, if he thinks he's going to be a big enough star, if he's a MVP five, style, you know, five or six fight deal, when he comes into his deal, maybe he's a big enough star for the UFC to make him a big enough offer that, uh, that um, Bellator will not match it. And if they do, you're going to get paid. So it doesn't really matter either way. So, yeah, I think. I think it can be a stepping stone, but I think it can be either a stepping stone to the UFC or a stepping stone to big money. So, you know, which, whichever, you know, whichever you want, you know, take or pick. That's what I think. So a couple of questions come in on the night. So I'll just ask you about it now here. Cyborg got a depressed fracture from the yeah. knee that MVP landed. What was your take on that knee? That, that was also, I'd say oh. he feels like a dickhead now for two reasons. First of all, there isn't a Pokemon called Cyborg, right? So you didn't catch a Cyborg, motherfucker. And secondly... Dude, you, you're such a hater. That was the funniest thing I've ever fucking seen. Right, and secondly, Hilarious. I'd say you feel like an idiot now because the guy... Because you, like, you made his head look like an ashtray. Like. Did you see the so, he did give it in there, in fairness. Thankfully, he I believe he's out of hospital already. Yeah, like, he's, Mr. Cyborg said he's going to fight in like three months. Jesus. Six months, I think he was looking for. Yeah, like he won't be able to take a punch in that time. Like, yeah. But you could tell with the injury, that was like, I'm on the ground here, squirming in pain. My feet are kicking off the mat. Someone help me. Like, Yeah. It was, what do you think? It was gross. It was My worst injury one, I've ever seen live. Yeah, it was fairly raw. John McCarthy said it was the loudest strike he's ever heard in MMA. MVP on the on the fucking on the feet is 
unbelievable. Like he's there's there's a reason why there's only him and Wonderboy up in my wall and my man Kev because he's that good. Like he's fucking he's a terror on the feet. If he can keep it there, there's literally hardly anyone break beating him. Like there you go. So, there you go. Dahi over on Twitter. Will McGregor be on UFC two hundred five? One word. New York card. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ronan Duffy wants to know if I thought Bellator was a success in the UK. Some good fights, but not being live was a major letdown. You've pretty much summed up our synopsis from earlier on in the podcast, Ronan. We're going to offer yeah. you a job now, immediately. The live thing, like Sean, you were able to stress how much of an issue it was for me. The fight end and the live side of it, I was able to stress that sort of issue. I think we we come up with a pretty good, coherent thoughts on Bellator. We did, we did. More than likely. Aaron yeah. Craig, Craig would like to know what matchups would you like to see up the top of middleweight? Uh I would like to see at middleweight uh Michael Craig against the title shot. Uh, I'd like to see Luke Rockhold against uh Yoel Romero. I'd like to see Jacare against Chris Weidman. I'd like to see Vitor Belfort against Anderson Silva. Oh. I'd like to see uh, Uriah Hall is fighting Gegard, is fighting Derek Brunson. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Gegard Mousasi against Tim Kennedy. I'd like to see Talis, Talis Lettuce against uh, Tiago Santos. So, there's a lot of middleweight fights you'd like to see. Yeah. Excellent. Um, how would Michael Van and Page fare in the UFC, do you think? And who are the guys you'd like to see him fight? That's from Good Life Decoder over on Twitter. I wonder, I wonder who I'd like to see him fight in the UFC. Let me think of a welterweight in the UFC. Let me think of a welterweight in the UFC I'd like to see him fight. Yeah, I'd like to see him fight one of I'd like to see him fight Carlos Condit. Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson, yeah. Gunnar Nelson would probably take him down and submit him. I, like, I, I, I rate Wonderboy an awful lot. I really like Wonderboy, but if he doesn't, you know, Cyborg took him down and he held him down, you know, it, it, that's worrying. My, I, you couldn't imagine Wonderboy getting taken down and held down like that, could you? You know, that's just not happening these days. I think he's an awful lot of improving to do if he's going to be one of the best welterweights in the world. Jake Searle had a similar question in that um, as well. Oshin O'Sullivan wants to know, why aren't Bellator pushing Bobby Lashley as a top draw at heavyweight? Would he attract the wrestling fans and he's a beast with a solid record? Yeah, I always wonder that as well. Maybe he just can't give them enough time to be a constant because he's still doing wrestling, I believe. Uh, Like, he's been some okay guys like he looks like a good fighter you know he's obviously not the best guy in the world like, you wouldn't put him in the top 20 probably in the world at heavyweight but as we say like heavyweight isn't that good he's a, like he's a solid wrestler he can take guys down he can you know he can beat him I wouldn't you know give him a couple of fights maybe even have him fight Mitrion in a while for a title that'd be huge you know I think Mitrion probably just make Mitrion I think they they don't have a champion they took the belt off Minikov don't they just whoever Mitrion is fight next maybe we have Mitrion fight Czech Congo and make that for the title and then have Bobby Lashley fight Mitrion that'd be a huge fight I think Mitrion would probably beat him but that'd be a big fight you know that'd be a good headlining fight I think people will watch that up next Sean J- uh, Jake Seal had a second question so we'll throw it in Bisbing versus Hendo 2 how do you think that's going to go I think Bisbing will probably win I don't think Hendo will be winner retires I'm calling it now maybe Possibly, yeah. I think Bisping will probably just like jab him up in the feet. Uh, probably five rounds. Jesus, it'll be hard to see Henderson go fire. I think Bisping will stop him late, maybe the fourth round. Big call. Any chance Dan is able to land it? 
Yeah, there and is are people just defense. over the top about Dan Henderson's last finish because it was like it was just a. I'm not going to say it was a lucky back elbow, but it was just like right place, right time. My elbow just hit your jaw. There's always a chance with Dan Henderson. Always. Dan could be 70 going in there and there's a chance he'd knock out fucking John Jones. There's always a chance with Dan Henderson. It's just he's one of those guys. He, you know, you can never rule out Dan Henderson. Like, I've ruled him out loads of times, but you can never rule <laughs> him out. You actually, like I've that, learnt. That Shogun Hua fight, the, the one that he won, not the epic one, the other one. He was getting shit kicked out of him in that fight. And like Shogun was dominating. Shogun looked really good. He's boxing, beating him up, nearly knocked Henderson out. And then he like, Shogun was kind of like turning or something. And he hit him with this one big fucking right hand, knocked him clean out on the ground. Like hit him with about six el- or six punches to the back of the head and finished him. Like you can't, you can never, that can happen in any fight. Like you can never rule him out. Ever. In- <laughs> Ever. Ian Thornton would like to know thoughts on the rumours of McDonald going to Bellator is I there more rumours yeah the, the, he was in talks this week apparently uh, look to be honest I hope Bellator make him a huge offer and then I hope the UFC beat it that would be the best case scenario for everyone I think Eamon McLean wants to know is it possible that TriStar is an overrated is overrated as a gym with just one UFC champ the Canadian blanket, George St. Pierre. <laughs> did, did someone from Canada turn Amy McLean down on a date or something like that in the last week? He must have heard there was a Man United fan in TriStar or something. He's fucking giving out about him. I don't think so. I think Farras is, is brilliant. Like, it's hard to get UFC champions. Like, ATT have only had two now, ever. Like, what a, what a, like they've had so many great fighters. You know, it's not that easy. You know, it's, you know... I, I don't think so. I think I think Tristar is great. Like Rory McDonald is a championship level fighter, great fighter. Like it's I don't think I don't think it's if I don't think he could have gone anywhere and got better training that would have made him a champion. To be honest, you know I think there's lots of great. Like I think Joseph Duffy's improved. I think Tom Breeze has improved since he's gone over there. Like they've they've had lots of good fighters. You know Kenny Florian trained out of a lot of there for his title shots. I think he got about as far as he could ever have gotten. You know, if it's you know they're in Canada as well. You must remember. So like they're not going to get, you know, they're not going to get as American many fighters. Wrestlers. Yeah, but uh, yeah, as uh, exactly. But you know, it's not as easy a place to move to as maybe a Florida is or somewhere like that. You know, so yeah, I no, I don't agree with that. I think they're a great gym. Keen O'Connell would like to know: Is the next Fox card the weakest you can remember? If not, what was yeah. the worst? Yeah, it's I not think it's probably card. the worst. I agree. Yeah. Um. Two more here to finish off, Sean. Sorry. Three, sorry. Morgan at ISCH underscore. If Connor loses to Diaz and Aldo, would he be resigned to the ranks of just another fighter? No. If he lost his next two, say. Who, who, Andrew, tell me this. Who headlined the last big Bellator card? Like, not the one that just happened this weekend, but like the one I, like six uh, months ago. Don't know. The one where Kimbo and Dada was, was the co-main event. Hoist and Ken. Heiss and Ken. Heiss Gracie and Ken oh, Shamrock. Yeah. I see where you're going. Can headline a card in 2016. Conor McGregor will be okay. Shane Kiley wants to know was the Ferguson fight a fluke or would Lando Venata do well against the rest of the top 15 at Lightweight? He looks good. He definitely looks good. Like As I said earlier, like I haven't seen enough on him to know how good he actually is, but he didn't like. If you couldn't see that man has talent and is is a game fighter by that, you know you're probably blind. Like I think he'll he'll go in and he'll he'll cause trouble in that division. 
Sean, I thought we were at the end. Here's three quick ones. Does the revolving door at Jackson, Wilk and John contribute to Jones's lack of guidance? That's from John Harker. <laughs> Jones is an, an adult. I hear a lot of people saying this like, Greg Jackson isn't his father. Like Greg Jackson isn't his life coach. He's, he's his coach. He's his MMA coach. He teaches him how to throw a punch. He doesn't teach him how to drive. You know, he doesn't teach him not to drink. You know, I think a lot of people kind of maybe see John Kavanaugh, you know, as kind of a father figure to, to Conor McGregor and to uh, James Gallagher and people like that. That's an unusual thing. Like, that's that's not something that happens ever, especially in a, in a camp like Greg Jackson's. Like, he has houses there, like houses of people working there. You know, he's House. like... You know, imagine like, imagine say an SPG or in Team Rhino or somewhere like that. Look, you had these two heavyweight guys in, in the same gym. And then you hear like they hadn't really trained together. Or, you know, they they kind of don't really see each other and train. Like that'd be, that just couldn't happen. Like, you know, but in Team Wingleton, they did like Alistair Overeem and, and um, uh, Andrew Arlovsky. Like they never really met. They never really spoke. You know, they didn't train together and things. You know, that's, it's a different kind of mindset over there. I think it's, it's, it's a huge place. And, you know, these, you know, the fighters, they can't be looked after kind of a one-on-one kind of situation like other places can. Finally, before we skip back to the, the question I teased earlier on, Matt Bourne wants to know, after Bellator London this weekend, would you like to see a Bellator Dublin? Explain now who Matt Bourne is before we move on. Matt that. Bourne is the the PR man of uh, Bama. Is he taking is he trying to cause a bit of is shit, he? is he? <laughs> Is he? I, I, I admire that moxie. Uh, I think they'd actually do better in Dublin than they would, Dublin in Dublin, than they would in because they could put Gallagher on it and, you know, they'd probably, you know, you could get like guys like maybe Reds or sign him on a one fight deal if they, you know, if Reds are, or maybe if I sign him all together, you could get guys like, you know, Malpeter, uh, you know, Johnny Jitsu, put him on the undercard, Chris Fields. Yeah, you could definitely get guys like that to, to uh, go on the show. Like Bama. Speaking of Bama, they've proven you can do it. Like, remember, do you remember the, that Bama car, the first one that that I was at? Like that place was full enough. Like you know, they, 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 the top tier turn closed off, and but that place was full. I remember asking them for the for the I think it was uh, six or seven. I think it was no it's a thousand. I think it was four thousand. But that's still a big crowd. Like for you know to think about like cage warriors were in the helix to like what fifteen hundred people or something like that. I never not, thought so. it was 15. Like, the, less, the Helix it? was a deceptive venue in terms of attendance. Just because where we were always sitting. Do you know what I mean? Like, you forget how much people were actually above you. Yeah. 4,800 attendance was. I'm just looking at my DMs here from Bama. Oh. Yeah. Like, that's a big crowd to get to come to an MMA event that isn't the UFC. Like, yeah, like it's amazing how much the, the UFC name actually sells in there. Like, I think Bama or uh, Bellator could probably sell out the full venue there, to be honest, or go close to it anyway. Because of the amount of mixed martial arts fans in Ireland that would be interested in seeing Bellator. Yeah, but like you, could, I think if so. If you put well, MVP yeah. on that, like I don't think, uh, all due respect to Bama, like I think Bama have a better fighter than, like I think Tom Dukuma is a better fighter than anyone in in Bellator. But I just think maybe he's not known as well. Like if you put, if you put Paul Daly versus MVP on the top of that card, you you know you'd sell that out. I think you would. I think it'd be huge. You know, put James Gallagher in against maybe someone, someone with a name or not even like even himself and you know in a comment event or the third down. And I think you could definitely do good do. Uh, you too. So, one Mr. Podge for the final question. He said, er, he said on the 14th of July, 
What are the odds that WME ruin mixed martial arts? Could we see infinitely weaker cards or a detrimental focus on the Chinese market? I just want to throw something at you here, Sean. It was brought yeah. to my attention during the week. Friend of the podcast, uh, Jim Shavlin, who listens with his son James on the way to swimming. Um, is part of the reason that they maybe are interested in acquiring the sport is because they're seeing the star potential of some guys like Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey in the mainstream media and they already have all of those avenues to those places themselves. So you're saying they spend $4 billion on the UFC so they can get a few film stars? Over time, Sean, <laughs> I think... Uh, uh, I've, your point is correct. But I don't think it's... I'm not saying it's the reason they did it. Yeah, yeah. That's a part of it. But I think you don't spend four billion on something unless you're going to expand it and make it bigger. You know, unless you've plans for it. You know, I think big things are coming. I think changes are, you know, maybe not... foot. Maybe not uh, soon, but they're happening. It's good. There's going to be a big break into... into I've heard a rumour. There's a lot of talk about that, and I think a lot of it is, you know... Is you know we we've spoken about it. We don't you know we don't really know to be honest. But things things are going to change. You know, big things. The, the reason they bought this is because they can expand it. They see there's room for expansion there. Where, where was it? Was it on here or somewhere else? I was on another podcast talking about it. Like they haven't broken into Germany really much yet. France is still illegal in France. It was here, yeah. Like. Asia haven't really broken into it. Canada has kind of gone down an awful lot. You can definitely do more shows in Canada. There's still big room for expansion, I think. And uh, WME, IMG, you might be the ones to do it. That's it. Congratulations. Another podcast. You. You've survived, everybody. It was, a, it was a good one, Andrew. I liked it. I was... Ten minutes over our allotted time in the preview, Sean. So we've only gone ten minutes over. That's good for us. Good for us, yeah. We're usually like half an hour over. This podcast will go 20 minutes later. It's not near the end at all. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for lending us your ears for the last hour and a half. It is a beautiful evening. I'm going to go out and do something in that sun before a bit of uh, jiu-jitsu in the next while. Jiu-jitsu. Working your arm drags under tonight. I, look, you, you have no idea how little work I need in those arm drags, Sean. <laughs> the most feared takedown in Irish BJJ. Damien Maya of arm drags. Oh, would you stop? Stand with me, anyone. Um, as always. How, how do you reckon I get on? What? If I got on top of someone, there's no way they're getting out from under me. Like, not a hope. I think you should start jiu-jitsu, Sean. There's nowhere around here, though. I can't, there's no, there is. Limerick BJJ. Fergal yep, Quinlan. Find out how far that away is. It's like 40 minutes away from me. 40 minutes. Yeah, car. Nothing. I don't have a car. We'll someone do live me. podcast. I'll move into the man cave. Yeah. And drive you to jiu-jitsu. McGahan University will do. We'll just do... That can be... uh, (laughs) I'll just promote you. Sean, that could be the next season of the Romantumweights. Could be. A a jiu-jitsu-based show. Here's a a question for you about jiu-jitsu. Do you have to be a black belt to give someone else a belt? No. So what do you have to be? Brown belt? I think you have to be a purple before you can give a blue. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think you have to be a brown, obviously, before you can give a purple. Yeah, oh, is that how it works? And you have to be a first-degree black belt before you can promote a black belt. So I think you need to have three years at black belt before you can promote your own black belt. Right. So if you turn purple belt now, 
you can just promote someone to blue belt. I yeah. How much are you offering? You're you're <laughs> definitely giving me a blue belt. I'm definitely not. De- why? I'm just going to start telling people I'm a blue belt under Andrew McGahan. Just, <laughs> <laughs> they're not hardly going to ask you. Like people just believe me. Yeah. Well, you're pretty convincing at it. Like so. People people get fair mad though. With the, I, I'm only obviously joking about that. Like, I remember back in the day and um. On uh, uh, what's it called? The UG. Oh, like, fake these, belt promotion. Yeah, all these go after them. Like, go to the gym and like. Yeah, there's a load yeah. of like. Oh, I saw the weirdest one recently. This blue belt did it. It was just like it can be like insulting as well at the same. Like, there are ways to deal with it, but like, I, like loaded blue belts that think that live the jujitsu lifestyle, throwing up shakas. You know that skate everywhere, being like, "Man, you're an insult to jujitsu," and it's like, well. Just focus on your own jiu-jitsu. Like, let other people deal with that. Like, we don't need white, like, basement dwellers of jiu-jitsu, like, calling out people in gyms. They are funny, especially when guys are exposed for not for not being a black belt when they roll and get smashed by other black belts. There's yeah. a great video of a UFC fighter who brought one of his friends who's a world champion in jiu-jitsu to a gym and pretended he was a white belt. And he was like, yeah, I've done a bit of grappling in my kung fu oh, classes. Patrick's telling me about that, actually. That's very, it? very good as well. So, check that out. Probably it was anything else to disparage jiu-jitsu about? No, I mean, you know I love jiu-jitsu. Come on, just have have the old crack about it, you know. A bit of have crack never hurt banter. anyone. No, you're dead, unless right? It's, unless it's drugs. Like, yes, you know. of course. Don't do crack, kids. <sighs> anyway, Sean, that's about it. If you want to get in touch with us over the next week or so, send the tweet at SevereMMAPod over on Twitter, at SevereMMAPod over on Facebook. He's at Sean Sheehan BA. I am at Andrew McGahan underscore on Twitter. You can get both of us Sean at Severe MMA if you want to send him an email or Andrew at Severe MMA if you want to send me an email throughout the week. Um, as always, send in your orders for shirts as well through any of those contact methods that you would like. I am, um, what am I doing now? I have to pre-record a radio show, Sean, and then I have yeah. to go to jiu-jitsu. Nice. Busy evening for you, so I'm going to Limerick now and then I'm going to eat some food. Limerick Saturday. Limerick Saturday. Well, a nice. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a, a, a. Unfortunately, we don't have a poem. Unfortunately, we don't have a lyric. Just the usual Sean Sheehan sign off, ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever been hated or discriminated against? I have. I've been protested and demonstrated against. Picket signs for my wicked rhymes. Look at the time. Sick as the man that the motherfucker kicked his behind. I'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>